You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. All right, everybody. Welcome to Discovering Multifamily. I'm your host, Anthony Scandariato. And today we have a very special guest with us, um, Adam Riddle, who's the co-founder and uh, principal of Nexus Commercial Realty, uh, based out of uh, the greater Denver area. And, um, you know, he has a strong focus on um, multifamily uh, investment sales um, on both the sell side and the buy side. And there's a couple of particular um, areas where he wants to focus on. Um, We're recording this in hopefully towards the tail end of coronavirus um, in terms of 1031 exchanges and just the overall state of the market. He's been involved with over 500 transactions uh, worth of, you know, in excess of uh, half a a billion dollars in multifamily. And he's dealt with all sorts of situations like HUD, triple net, you know, um, seller carries. And, uh, you know, he's definitely a creative person and a good person you want to know in the multifamily space and want to welcome him to the show. So thanks, Adam, for coming on. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's great to be back in the office for the first day in a while. So uh, feeling good. Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely good. So could you kind of tell us about um, your team and, and what you guys focus on pre-corona and what you're, you're planning to do post-corona and, and what are sort of the, um, what has the past couple months been in the greater Denver area for multifamily on both the buy side and the sell side? What does it look sure. like? Sure. Um, so Nexus Commercial Realty, like you said, we are a brokerage specializing in only two things, uh, existing multifamily assets and uh, land for ground up development for mostly multifamily assets. Um, we have an office here in Denver and in Colorado Springs. We have 13 brokers that kind of work in the front range of Colorado. Um, we really specialize in kind of one to 15 million. You know, some people call that mid market, small, um, don't chase a lot of the institutional stuff. Uh, in our market, that tends to mean that we we sell a lot of older product, kind of 70s, 60s, 50s is when a lot of that was built in Denver, at least. Um, so yeah, we've uh, we've been around this company for about three years. We were with another brokerage shop before that, and um, you know we we love the space we play in because it's with a lot of private clients, um, whether it's their own money or raising money or syndicating deals um, versus kind of institutional. Um, that's just a different different ball game. Um, Prior to COVID, we were setting uh, on pace to set a lot of records. Uh, we had a really good start to the year. We had attended NMHC out in Orlando, um, annual kind of biggest events, and just didn't hear any any negative talk, which there's always somebody or a person or two that's always like, the market's too heated, getting overpriced, are we overbuilding? And I, we, we hardly heard any negative talk at that conference. So we came back with uh to report to the team just you know this this is going to continue to go guys we need to we need to get on the phones we need to get in front of people and continue to do our thing um obviously that came to a screeching halt um at the end of march um we we had a significant drop in our our active pipeline um but I honestly a lot of that has been not a lot but a good chunk has been rebuilt so i think people are it was that initial gut reaction of just like, what's going on? Is the world coming to an end? 
I got to get out of whatever transaction I'm in, in the middle of. Um, and I think people are kind of starting to poke their head back out and we've been able to uh, put a, a decent amount of deals in our contract and introduce a few new deals to the market that are getting some good traction. So, um, you know, Colorado stay at home orders are all coming to an end. So we feel like we're, we're going to, we're hopefully trickling out of this, if you will. That is awesome. Um, so can you kind of talk about the, the state of the market and then the new deals you put under contract? And um, obviously you mentioned the steel size that you play in and, and that attracts um, definitely different types of capital, uh, you know, whether it's just a high net worth uh, investor or uh, even a 1031 um, exchange. Um, I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit with some of the new um, changes that, that happened um, in light of COVID. Um, or you work with a syndicator like myself, or it's, it's very different than institutional, typical five cap, class A, multifamily, which in my opinion is going to get hit the worst um, during, during all of this. Um, and and it, it got hurt the worst definitely in the last downturn. Um, but you also made a good point too, that you came back from a conference and there was nothing negative said. And I think the reason is um, the space that you play in, um, there's such a housing shortage to begin with in this country as a whole that we'd still need that type of product that you focus on to accommodate those tenants in certain income brackets. Um, so could you kind of talk about those few, I know I said a lot, but those few things that I mentioned. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with the last thing. I mean, we call it workforce housing. Some people call it class C product. Uh, we love the space because you can't build it. You can't with land costs, construction costs these days, you just can't build it. You can't build in our market. You can't build a $950 one bedroom. It just doesn't make financial sense. Um, so there's a massive need for, for that housing um, for people that have good jobs. They just can't, they can't buy a home and then they, they can't afford a class A or even class B apartment building. So we felt I, I was, in the last downturn in the same space and we it got hit it didn't get hit near as hard as the the higher end space obviously everybody got hit at, at some point or another but um didn't get hit as hard and we're also lucky enough to be in colorado and we came out of the last downturn before a lot of people in the country did so i mean we were coming out almost you know 10 years ago already where some people it took till 2011 12 13 and 2010 we've kind of seen a, a, an increase for over a decade um, for kind of what we're doing now on deals um, obviously there's less less people calling in um, but the ones that are calling in seem to be pretty serious about buying something um, the you know we're trying to make sure we're doing proper due diligence for everybody on the front end who's your banker let's talk to them let's make sure we're all in alignment on that um, obviously gaining access to, to units, making sure people are as comfortable as they can, trying to get inspectors, appraisers, everybody kind of coordinated to not be entering in um, units multiple times throughout the transaction process. Um, you know, before this, people were definitely in our market aggressively pricing apartment deals. Um, so I think we're, we're in for a little bit of a reset on pricing, um, but that was probably, you know, something that needed to happen anyway. Um, 
but it's it's interesting. The the stuff we're putting out there that we feel like is priced um, in a, in the in the right price range is getting is getting eyeballs on it. It's getting uh, it's getting activity and getting offers. Um, obviously, the next step of that, the inspection, the appraisal. Um, we put a deal on our contract this morning, and we're already kind of working through the the, the loan and the appraisal piece because you just got to start that process almost even earlier than you ever have. So we're we're definitely on top of our brokers saying we've, the the good old days where it's like okay, you know, almost every bank will lend on apartments because it's kind of the darling of commercial real estate. So whatever they pick is probably going to be just fine. It's like we have to be way more involved on the brokerage side. And to anybody that's out there buying, I would just make sure your broker is involved in every step of the way now more than ever because it is it is key to keeping deals together because just one small thing can make deals fall apart right now. Uh, that's a really good point. So the deals that you put on a contract, how has the pricing difference been from pre-corona to now? Not a huge price adjustment. I mean, we we always, I mean, we were we were kind of 97% um, listing price, closing price pre this, um, probably don't have a good enough data set to really understand what it is now. Um, just cause it's still so early in the process, but I can tell you the ones that have, you know, we had a couple of listings going into this that were just, they were just high to begin with. And, and we went back and said, you know, if you want to sell these, you need to get realistic. They dropped the prices to what we probably, what we considered what we should have listed them at to begin with. And then they moved um, at those prices. So we haven't seen a big, a big drop in prices, you know, 10, 20% or anything like that. And I've, I've been on the phone a lot with people that are waiting for the 08, 09, 2010 bloodbath as, as far as, uh, you know, pricing. I'm not going to say it's uh, going to happen or not going to happen. I think if, it's, if there's going to be deals like that, it's going to be in, you know, 60, 90 days once uh, most banks, you know, Fannie and Freddie did forbearance. If you didn't do that, most of our local banks gave you 90-day relief um, and made it very simple. So I think anybody that was hurting went and got, got some relief for at least that 90 days. So if they are going to be hurting, it's going to be later on in the summer and in the fall potentially. But I just don't see it being widespread here. Yeah, that's, that's the sentiment that I've been seeing as well. Um, can you kind of talk about, you know, what type of buyers that – and obviously you work with – different types of buyers, but you play in the same space that I do. So in that one to let's call it 15, $20 million range. Can you kind of talk about the buyers that will, that, that are already in the space, but um, the more type of buyers that are going to come out of, uh, it could kind of come out on top. You're going to see more of once we get, you know, once in Colorado, once the stay at home orders really get lifted and, um, you, what would what do you see is going to emerge? Just that type of buyer. Um, I mean, some of our my business partner and I have started our company three years. Some of our best clients today came from 2008, 2009, 2010, um, and they came from just having inventory on the market. And, and you know, those people were raising money, um, saw an opportunity potentially in the market being um, that it was a downturn, and had enough kind of friends and family or, or network. Uh, that had liquidity that believed in, in buying in at that time. So I think we were already seeing new buyers enter the market that honestly we, we just have not talked to before, whether it's out of state or just a, a local investor that's 
uh, feels like there's there's a little bit of an opportunity to get back in. Maybe he's been out of the market for a little while. Um, so I think there'll be a little mix of that. Some some people that have been on the sidelines maybe have liquidity and have cash sitting there wait, waiting that are going to see if they can try to, you know, again, I don't think it's going to be these gigantic discounts, but maybe a little bit of a discount versus pre-COVID um, and still believe in the market. And then there's just going to be people that understand the fundamentals of real estate and everybody kind of needs a place to live. And we're going to come back out of this. I don't know when, uh, but we're going to come back out of this and take a gamble. I mean, some guys that bought in 09, they had a, they had a rough first year, 18 months, but then 12, 13, obviously they look like geniuses um, as far as the basis they were in at on a lot of those properties. So I think a lot of people remember that and um, are going to be ready to try to capitalize on some of that. Sure. Yeah. And like you said, you haven't seen it yet. I certainly haven't seen a major discount happen yet. A little bit, but nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, so could you kind of talk about some, you know, of the provisions that we've seen come from the federal government? So, for example, I know for 1031 exchanges, they extended deadlines there and they pushed them out even further. Could you could you kind of talk about, um, you know, if it makes sense for if somebody was planning to sell, like, let's say I had a hundred unit building I was planning to sell this year and I was like, you know what? It's still cash flowing. Well, let's just hold it until we're out of this mess. Is that a smart strategy, or would you say there's an opportunity um, with the 1031 market? You know, still, you know, with all those extensions. Once we're kind of out of this, what would you have to say on that? Sure. I mean, obviously, everybody's. I our suggestion is always sell if the timing is right for you. Um, that's why we're, you know, we're still doing deals today, just because the timing's right for those individual people. Uh, but there was definitely. A good chunk of properties that we were kind of working on listing or going to market for towards the end of March that just got completely halted. Um, and what we're doing now is with the, the recent uh, extension on 1031 deadlines, we feel like there's going to be kind of a pent-up demand late late June, early July of all of these 1031 buyers that kind of had to been given the opportunity to sit on the sidelines given a longer deadline periods and there's going to be a lot of pent-up demand in June July and we feel like we are going back to those people that we were talking to in March and, and saying you know mid-May is not the worst time to be going out to the market because there's going to be a lot of people um, are that are going to have eyeballs on multifamily that still still have to place their money. Obviously you can still pay taxes, but still have to place their money and still um, would rather not pay taxes. And even the people we were talking to two weeks ago before they extended the deadline understood the financing conditions were rough and just willing to put more money down to make a bank more comfortable with it. And I think a lot of 1031 people are going to end up having to go that route instead of the 25, 75 leverage, you know, they're going to have to put 35 or 40% down, but they'd rather do that than pay their, you know, 30 or, 35% on taxes and they can refinance when it all settles down and maybe pull some cash out. But I think there'll be a lot of pent up demand come June, July for, from all the 1031s that got extended. That's very interesting. Um, can you kind of talk about your market in general in, in Denver where, where you sit and, you know, especially in the workforce space, where do properties sell for generally for, you know, a C building? It doesn't have to be in, in Denver, but the greater Denver area, you know, Colorado Springs, um, any of the other major cities, um, you know, what are things on 
you know, when, they're at the upper end of the workforce on the lower end on a per unit basis and kind of cap rates. What do, what do like value add properties trade for and what do stabilized properties trade for? I'm just, I'm curious myself and I'm sure my listeners are curious too. Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of hit four. I'll start with Capitol Hill, kind of central Denver, a lot of 20s, 30s, 40s, kind of classic architecture, 12 units, 20 units, 24 units, um, higher rent, more, a lot of restaurant workers, a lot of very little parking, just, you know, it's a central business, um, downtown vibe. Um, those are very expensive. Um, they are trading anywhere from 170 to 250 a door. For the mid-rise 60s product, uh, an out-of-state investor just paid 250 and they're putting another 50 into it. Um, those are going to be kind of high four, low five caps, even on the older product. Um, you had East uh, to Aurora. That's um, more of a workforce housing neighborhood. It's got a lot of kind of that mid-market um, buildings that were built. That's probably going to be kind of 95 to 115, 120, 125, depending on the location, the size, the unit mix, more like six, six and a half caps. Um, then you kind of go to our Western suburbs, which there's a handful kind of out West that kind of align the, the foothills. And those are going to be kind of in between there. You're going to see anywhere from 140, 50 up to 200, have a quite uh, beat the 200 market door out there. Um, we are under contract on a couple of deals that are going to get real close, but they have two to three bedrooms, kind of very large units. So that's driving that price per unit up. Um, then Colorado Springs, which we're very active in, kind of always been, kind of always lags Denver as far as pricing and cap rates. Um, we started working down there about seven years ago, and that's just one of the, the most uh, sought after markets, especially from out of state. You can get into the quote unquote Denver MSA almost, you know, it's not that far away, but, um, and just get a lot more, uh, pricing. I mean, buy a six naps, you know, the seven cap down there, high nineties, 85 to 110 a door, again, depending on the size of the units. Um, so, and there's a lot of large kind of hundred to 200 unit class C properties down there. So it's a lot of California investors that they can sell it. Uh, you know, a 10 unit in San Francisco and buy a hundred unit in Carlos Springs. Um, so we have a lot of California money in the Carlos Springs market for sure. Makes a lot of sense. Um, and so, so Adam, so I guess kind of wrapping down the show a little bit, um, I guess what advice just, just would you have for both buyers and sellers? Um, you know, once we get out of this, just, just to be, like you said, just more, more cautious and to be more involved with on uh, with your brokers with your lenders because whereas before like you said money was cheap it's still cheap but there's an influx of lenders a lot of lenders pulled out at least right now um you know like what what advice would you say and, and i know you're not on the debt side but is there a certain loan product that you're kind of advocating you know just that it's still reasonable to get deals done and um, you know, in, in a timely fashion sure. to your buyers or sellers? Um, I mean, obviously Fannie and Freddie are, were, were the big, big gorillas uh, in the multifamily space for a long time, still will be going forward with their 
uh, requirements now, it's going to make it some you know hard for some people, especially if you are raising money and offering prep returns and all that kind of good thing with with the um, with the escrow requirements that they have. But you can get creative with those escrow requirements. I'm hearing some people talking to sellers about splitting some of that or just you know just getting creative to where everybody's got a little piece of that action and it's not just on the buy side. Um, so don't be scared to try to get creative with that. Um, you know, I, we did a lot in 08, 09, 2010 with our kind of local regional lenders. Uh, a lot of that's recourse money. So I get some people are, are not willing to do that, but those were the people that got us through on the brokerage side in the last downturn. Um, they are going to be more conservative, obviously, but they, especially if you have an existing banking relationship or, or willing to move into relationship to them on the deposit side um, our, our local lenders are the ones that are really pushing stuff through at the, at the moment um, so I would I would hit up um, if you're looking at a deal and okay on the recourse side I would definitely hit up kind of some of those local strong lender relationships with banks that are um, more on the conservative side as far as so they probably don't have a lot of bad loans so that they're still willing to, to lend out money um, and then just have your ducks in a row. I mean, if you're a buyer, I would just have my, my ducks in a row as much as possible going into a deal. Um, you know, like I said earlier, one little thing can, can make a lot of hiccups. Um, so I don't think we have to be in, her, in a hurry as much as we were. You know, six weeks ago, people were needing to underwrite in a day, present offers very quickly, tour as quickly as you can. I think that expectation has backed off a little bit. Um, I think on the brokerage side, obviously, prejudice but we would rather somebody take their time and, and get the deal to the closing line than uh, rush to get into something and then it blows blows up 30 days later because we didn't check certain boxes before we went into the deal um, on the sell side I mean I think really being in tight-knit with your manager if you have a third-party property manager if you run your own property just making sure you're on top of you know your collections and your repairs and maintenance the buyer and or lender are going to really be scrutinizing things on that on that front so the more answers you have instead of you know they listen to a laundry list of 15 questions and you got to scramble to go figure all this out just the more you're on top of it in the beginning the more you can just be in front of it and be ahead of it um, i think the better and obviously you know working with a professional broker that knows what they're doing i think will help that process um, because that's what we're doing with all of our sellers, just making sure we're in front of every question. If there was, you know, a bad collection month, even three months ago, that had nothing to do with COVID. What is the, what is the answer to that? I think the magnifying glass is going to be coming out significantly from the, the buyers and the, and the lenders at this point. So again, the more you can dive into that P&L, that rent roll, and, and really understand each line by line, um, that's going to help everybody in the long run. Makes a lot of sense, Adam. Well, great. Uh, how can people find you? How can my listeners reach out to you and, and your brokerage team and, you know, for them to learn more about not only multifamily, but they want to get into, um, they want to learn more about the, the greater Denver area because it's been on, it's been on my radar personally. Um, I don't have any assets there, but um, how do people reach out to you and want to learn more um, if they're considering making an investment in, in Denver? Sure. Uh, my cell phone, 303. Two five seven seven six two seven. My email is a riddle r i d d l e 
at nexus, N-E-X-U-S-C-R.com. And our website is uh, nexus-cr.com. Um, so that has all of our active listings. We have an email list that we send all of our deals out to uh, before we post them online. So happy to add anybody to that. Uh, happy to talk to you. This market or just multifamily in general. I'm, I'm, I've been doing this for 13 years. This is, this is my, my blood these days. This is all I talk about. So even if it's not about our market, just about how to, how to structure deals or approach brokers or look at anything, I'm just happy to chat. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Adam, for coming on. And, and we'll put a link to uh, Adam's number, if he's okay with it, in the comments section and uh, a link to all his profiles and his website so you can reach out to him or you can reach out to me and I'll put you in touch with uh, Adam. But uh, I want to thank you again very much for, for coming on the show and um, hope you guys got a lot of value out of it and really appreciate it. Thank you. Great. Until next time, uh, this is your host, Anthony Scandariato, and uh, look forward to seeing uh, look forward to having you uh, on the show again in six months from now. Sounds good. All right. Thanks again.